Psalm 119, beginning now at verse 9. The second section of Psalm 119 is centered around the Hebrew letter Bet. And again, each line in the Hebrew of uh, this section begins with that letter. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. It was no less difficult in the ancient days of the psalmist for a young man to keep his way pure than it is in our own day. That the young man has his own particular challenges living a pure life. Now this is a question that some people, and even some people who are numbered among the people of God, that they never seem to ask of themselves. And sadly, some people never seem to have a life concern for moral purity. They sort of echo the prayer that the famous Christian Saint Augustine had before his conversion. Do you remember what Augustine's prayer was? He said, Lord, make me pure, but not just yet. You know, and the message of the world to us basically is like this. Have your good time with your young. Get it all out of your system. When you're older, then you can settle down and be religious and proper. But listen, this isn't the way God thinks. God's answer, to quote from James Montgomery Boyce, he says, God's answer is quite different. God says, if you're going to live for me, you must begin at the earliest possible moment, without delay, preferably when you're very young. And even if somebody has the desire for moral purity, then there are many things that make it difficult for a young man to cleanse his way. There's youthful energy and the sense of carelessness that marks youth. There's the lack of life wisdom. There's the desire for and the gaining of independence. There's physical and sexual maturity that may run far ahead of spiritual and moral maturity. There's money and the freedom that it brings. There's young women who may either knowingly or unknowingly encourage moral impurity. There's the spirit of the age that that both expects and promotes moral uncleanness to young men. And then there's the desire to be accepted by peers who face the same challenges. You see, the young man has his special challenges in living a morally pure life and learning how to cleanse his way. But it's also because God wants to spare the young man and the older man the bondage of sin, that he gives attention to this in his word. You see, this reflects upon the power of experience into shaping our habits. When we surrender to any temptation, when we transfer it from the realm of mental contemplation into life experience, that temptation instantly becomes much more difficult to resist in the future. And each successive experience of surrender to temptation builds a habit that's reinforced, not only spiritually, but also by brain chemistry. And such ingrained habits are more and more difficult to break the more and more they are experienced. And it is almost impossible to break such habits without replacing them with another habit. And this is one of the reasons why God gives us a way, why he presents to us God's word and the fellowship of life and devotion to him as a habit of life. 
It's very interesting that the words right here in verse 9, how can a young man cleanse his way? The words in the ancient Hebrew that are translated his way signify the idea of a track or a rut, the kind of thing that a wagon wheel or a chariot wheel makes. Youth sets the tracks for the rest of the life. Now, I don't want to imply for a moment that it's only young men that have this challenge. Older men and women of every age have their own challenges to pure living. Yet these are often more severely felt in the life of a young man. So what does he do? Verse 9, how does a young man cleanse his way or how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed to the word of God or to your word. Now, I like that phrase, by taking heed. You know what that tells us? Moral purity doesn't happen by accident. Whoops, I just by accidentally, I was wonderfully morally pure. No, if one does not take heed, the natural path is towards impurity and degeneration. You have to take heed in order to be pure. And isn't this what is the snare for so many people? They just give no heed to it. They they just think, well, I'll deal with such challenges when they come. And then they fall away at that opportunity because they did not take heed ahead of time. And how do you take heed? It's written for us right there. Take heed according to your word. The foundation for a morally pure life is found in the word of God. You see, God's word shows us the standard of purity so we know what is right and what is wrong. God's word shows us the reasons for purity so we understand the wisdom and the goodness of God's commands. God's word shows us the difficulty of purity and it reminds us to be on guard. God's word shows us the blessings of purity and gives us an incentive to make the necessary sacrifices. And God's word shows us more than anything how to be born again, how to be converted, so our inner man may be transformed after the pattern of ultimate purity, Jesus Christ. God's word shows us the way to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so that one has the spiritual resources to be pure. God's word is a refuge against temptation, giving a way of escape in a season of enticement. God's word is a light that clears away the deceptive fog of seduction and temptation. God's word is a mirror that helps one to see their spiritual and moral condition and then walk in purity. God's word gives us wise and simple commands such as this, flee youthful lusts. What a wise and simple command, right? When you're in the presence of youthful lust, what do you do? Flee, run. Well, how wise, how simple. God's word washes us from impurity and it actually cleanses our life in a spiritual sense. God's word is the key to renewing our mind, which in turn is the key to personal, moral, and spiritual transformation. God's word also gives us a refuge against condemnation when we have been impure. And it shows us how to repent when we have been impure and how to come back to a pure life. And God's word shows us how to conduct our life so that we can be an encouragement to other people in purity. 
You know, Jesus specifically spoke of the power of his word to cleanse us and to keep us pure. This is what Jesus said. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. That's in John chapter 15, verse 3. And then Jesus said in John 17, 17, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The impact of all of this is very clear. If one is concerned to cleanse his way, then you must also be concerned to take heed according to God's word. And I would just say, wherever you're at with regard to that this evening, there's a challenge for you. Some of us, frankly, we're not concerned with moral purity. Or we're only concerned with purity du jour, what we would dream up in our own mind, right? What we would select from the salad bar of society, this is what is purity to us. No, if you're concerned about trying to live a life that's biblically pure, then listen, this is your concern. If you're not concerned about it, can I just ask you this? Just be honest with yourself. Just just say it to yourself. I don't care about this. Go ahead, say it to your husband or wife. See how the drive home is for you. <laughs> you see, the most, the most wretched thing about all this is it's just secrets that we keep to ourselves, right? We, we say to ourselves, we say, I'm not concerned with living a biblically pure life morally. No way. But we give this outward hypocritical, you know, show that somehow we are. Listen, just determine within yourself that you're just going to be what you are. And and if you challenge yourself to be what you are, I think you'll be a better person for that. So first come to the conclusion, yes, I do want to live a biblically pure life. And then say, God, I need to rely on your word to do so. This is what you must do. You must rely on the Word of God. Friends, listen, the Bible can be your map to moral purity. Now, you know how it is with a map, right? Do we know what maps are today with people using GPS and all that? We still know what a map is, do we not? Now, listen, you can have a wonderful map and still get lost, right? And and so the Bible's not going to do it for you. But listen, you'll never reach your destination without the map. You'll never figure out the way on your own. But the Bible gives you the map, then it's incumbent upon you to follow it. And God helping us, we can. So how does one take heed to God's word? Let's look at verse 9. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Here the psalmist declared his dedication to God. With my whole heart I have sought you. While at the same time recognizing his weakness in making such a dedication. He says, oh let me not wander from your commandments. Oh Lord, I'm giving it all to you. Now just help me to keep it there, God. And I love it. It's that beautiful combination biblically of complete devotion to God with humility, not arrogance. Listen, that sort of spiritual arrogance, as we called it before tonight, that holier-than-thou kind of attitude, it's offensive. It's offensive to God. It's offensive to everybody else around you. Oh, but a humble passion to serve God and to obey Him, that's a beautiful thing. When he says, with my whole heart I have sought you, it again reminds us that Scripture was no mere textbook for the psalmist. It was how he sought and met with God. 
And so he says, let me not wander. I want to depend upon you, Lord. I don't have a self-righteous pride. Instead, he says, and it's beautiful, don't you agree? Where he says in verse 11, your word I have hidden in my heart. The psalmist knew the value of taking God's word and hiding it in his heart. It is hidden in the sense that it is on the inside where nobody can see it. And it's safe so that nobody can take it away. Now listen, before you can hide God's word away in your heart, you have to first receive it in your mind. You can't take your Bible and rub it over your heart and say, okay, God, I'm hiding your word in my heart. That just doesn't work. You can't use your Bible as a pillow when you go to bed at night and say, okay, God, fill my mind with your word. No, first we engage with God's word with our mind, and then it finds its way into our heart. We read and we hear the word of God, and we think about it continually until it becomes ingrained in our mind and in our heart. One of the most glorious things you can do with your life, and I don't mean this as an insult at all, but for some of you, this is a very new thing. But one of the most wonderful things you can do is simply think about God's word. Think about it. Meditate upon it. Take a biblical phrase, a verse, a line, a line from this psalm, and think about it. Think about what it means. Think about what it says to you. Think about the benefit of doing it and the penalty of not doing it. Think about what it says to you about God and what it says to you about men. Just think about what the Bible says. Did you know that it's actually possible to control the things you think about? Oh, I'm not saying that you can keep thoughts from flying through your mind, right? But there are certain thoughts that you can just say, okay, I'm going to choose to think about this for a while. Well, choose to think about the Word of God. Therefore, he says, hide God's word in my heart. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is one of the benefits about having God's word in your heart. It is a defense against sin for all the reasons that we've already spoken about. And then in verse 12, he cries out for some instruction. Isn't it beautiful? He says, blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. You see, he seems to interrupt his thoughts on the connection between God's word and a pure life with this expression of praise. He's been thinking about all, and then he just bursts out in praise, bless you, O Lord, and then teach me your statutes. That's another reflection of the humility of the psalmist. Though he's filled with God's word, and though he's filled with a desire for purity, he sensed his constant need for instruction by God. He didn't simply need to read God's statutes. He pleaded with God to teach him. Friends, isn't that a wonderful prayer for you to pray? God, teach me your word. And you know what he will? He has sent forth his Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. He will teach you his word if you ask him to. It's a saying that is written in the front of many Bibles. I remember when I was a very young Christian, I opened up a friend's Bible and I saw this written in the front and I thought it was wonderful. It's a little saying that says this. This book will keep you from sin. Sin will keep you from this book. Didn't this... Go ahead, write it in your own Bible if you please. But the psalmist understood this principle, did he not? And he longed for God to be his teacher and to keep him in God's great book. And then he continues on, starting at verse 13. 
With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts. I will contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your words. The psalmist understood the importance of not only silently reading or hearing the word of God, but he also understood the importance of saying it. Isn't that what he says right there? He says, verse 13, with my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. To declare God's word with his lips was another part of his relationship and love for God. Can I give you a little hint here on your Bible reading? If your devotional Bible reading, and I trust that you do read the Bible on your own, I would shudder to think that the only time some of you have your Bibles open is right here when you're here at church. Please open your Bibles at home. Read them. Don't let dust gather on your Bible at home. One old preacher, he said something very strong. I would never say such a strong thing, but this preacher said it. He said, he said, there's just enough dust on some of your Bibles to write damnation on the cover. I would never say such a thing. But I've heard of an old preacher who did. But listen, if you want to do something that will help your time of reading the Word of God on your own, read it out loud. Read it out loud. It's a beautiful thing to do. It helps. It helps me. It's wonderful just to read it and to say it with your lips, but not only when you're alone reading it, but why can't we just simply talk about the Word of God with other people? When you hear something interesting or wonderful on the news or, or on the internet, or, hey, did you hear about this crazy thing or this video I saw, or this or that, you, you, you naturally talk about things that interest you and engage your mind. Well, we just need to let our interest and our mind be engaged by the Word of God. It certainly was this way for the psalmist. Look at what he says in verse 14. I've rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. Listen, the word of God is more valuable to me than all riches. It could be fairly asked to every Christian, for what amount would you deny yourself to ever hear or or read God's word again? And it is to be feared That if such an offer were made to many Christians, many like Esau would sell their birthright treasure for the equivalent of a bowl of stew. I imagine that there's some people like that. Christians say, I'll give you $5 million if you never read or hear the word of God again. Sold. This is what they would say. Instead, we should regard it like the psalmist did. He said, I would rejoice in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. And then notice all the words he uses in this little section here. He says, I will meditate, verse 15, I will meditate and contemplate. I will delight. I will not forget your word. The greatness of God's word led the psalmist to great resolution of life. He said, my life will be filled with your word. In my mind, that's meditate and contemplate, In my heart, that's the word delight, and in my habits, I will not forget. Friends, this is where God wants us to be. You can almost hear a challenge from the psalmist. Remember where the psalm began, right? How can a young man cleanse his way? 
And you see him at the end here, determining, listen, I will meditate, I will contemplate, I will delight, I will not forget. You almost sense a little bit of a challenge from the psalmist here. He says this, you go ahead, you live your compromising, impure life that thinks it knows pleasure and satisfaction. As for me, I will cleanse my way and give the fullness of my life to God and his word, and we will see who's more blessed, more happy, and more filled with life. Friends, God has life for you, and one of the places where you come and meet it is in his word. Father, please bring us your life. Bring us the strength and power of your word with us, Lord. How we need this, Lord. How we need to be filled with your word, to to contemplate, to meditate, to delight, to fill our life with your word. Help us to do it, Lord. And help us, Lord, to reap some immediate benefits from it. Just a, a, a peace of mind, a satisfaction of heart, a correction of habit, a rebuke of sin, whatever it is we need to hear from you, God. Come and speak to your people, Lord. We are your servants, and you being our master, you have every right to speak to us. So do it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.